What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the delicious, smooth Strava Craft coffee. I got myself a cup of Strava Craft coffee on ice right now. And if you want to get yourself a cup of Strava Craft coffee on ice, make sure to check out the DNVR bar where we have Strava Craft coffee on tap. And if you love it so much, we'll make sure to buy straight from them and use that magical code DNVR20 to get 20% off your first purchase. And then when you like it so much, make sure to subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and you'll get 20% off every single time you order from Strava. And even better, you don't even have to place your order because you can get it set up to get it shipped straight to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks and avoid the, the hassle of having to purchase it every time. It'll be delivered straight to you. Of course, Strava Craft Coffee is not only delicious coffee, but it packs a CBD-infused punch, which helps with ha aches, headaches, migraines, pains, anything that's going on in your body, the CBD helps relieve, including those coffee jitters. So it really is the perfect one-two punch. And we've got the perfect one-two punch by using that magical code DNVR20 to get 20% off your first purchase and then subscribe to Strava and get 20% off every single time after that. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. NVR Broncos podcast on this election Tuesday, trade deadline Tuesday in the NFL. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, guys, got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable programs taught online by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates take their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And we actually have some own, our own staff members at DNVR taking classes at MSU Denver. And they tell, they, they've told all of us that MSU Denver does a fantastic job of designing these classes around your schedule because they know that not everyone can you know, drop out of life in order to go to go to school they they know they need to build a schedule that fits around your life and the the other thing that they they preached on uh to us at dnvr is that msu denver professors really bring the real world into the classroom so that you have the tools that you need once you graduate so make sure to head over to msudenver.edu slash online to see all they have to offer including over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes so check them out msudenver.edu slash online my boy, Mace, what's going on? How are you doing on this fine Tuesday? Doing very well. Just another Tuesday in America, huh? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, quite the Tuesday in America today. Of course, the election. Make sure to vote. If you're listening to this, you live in America and have not voted, well, go over to the polls when uh, you got us in your ears right now and make sure to vote. And then Mace also, trade deadline, except huh. it's going to be an uneventful one for the Broncos. 
Yeah, I'd be shocked if anything comes down before the deadline uh, this afternoon. A couple of reasons. Number one, uh, they're in that middle ground right now where they're not sellers, but uh, do you really buy? Do you do? Do you have an overpay at at this point? Uh, Number two, there are going to be fewer sellers. Period, because you have the extra playoff spot in each conference. And oh, by the way, if the rest of the season breaks a certain way regarding COVID, you could be talking about two more playoff teams than you've had in previous years in each conference. Because as Chris Mortensen of ESPN reported last night, something that has been discussed is the notion that if you have an uneven number of games uh, because of COVID postponements, cancellations, and all that, that you could be talking about eight teams from each conference. So, you know, the Broncos might actually be a potential beneficiary of that if it comes to pass. But the point being, you're cutting the number of teams uh, that will clearly say we're sellers, we're out of this. And then finally, the structure of things this year with COVID, if you trade for a player today, you're not going to have him on the field by Sunday because of all the, the tests that you have to have be negative to join the team. And then you're probably kind of limited on that player for the following week as well, just because you're getting him up to speed. So you're cutting into the amount of time that she would have a player available. We're going to see a relatively quiet trade market today. Yep, exactly. We are across the league and also in Denver. Yesterday, Vic Fangio told us that he and John Elway have not talked about any trades, which means that there is nothing serious brewing because if John had something serious, he would, of course, pass it by Vic before doing anything. So that's good news because Mace, we could have been talking about a whole different thing if the Broncos don't pull off that magical comeback uh, and, in fact, do get blown out by the Chargers like it was looking in the first half. Then John may be having a different tune, but no, don't have to worry about that. This season is still for 2020. This Broncos team is still fighting for the playoffs. And like you said, that extra, extra playoff spot could be huge for that. And may something else that could be huge is Vaughn Miller potentially returning. I mean, last week we had a positive sign from Von Miller that he wasn't wearing a boot. He wasn't scooting around the field with his leg up on a scooter. He was walking around just a a tiny little brace around his foot, uh, pretty much looking like a thick sock. And then yesterday he jumps on Instagram live and right before he talks to Senator Cory Booker, he says he should be ready to go in three weeks to a month. Now, maybe ready to go means he's ready to practice and then there's a couple weeks ramp up period. Or maybe he means he'll be ready to play in three weeks to four weeks. That is some pretty encouraging and exciting news for the Broncos. It is, but I would also take it with a grain of salt a little bit here because uh, you've had Vic Fangio in recent weeks when asked about Vaughn Miller and how he's coming along. uh, Kind of note that it doesn't appear likely that he's going to play uh, in this regular season. So the player is understandably ambitious. The team and the medical staff may be a bit more conservative in terms of bringing him back. So, hey, I admire Von Miller being bold and, and setting a big goal like that, but I would hesitate to be too excited and start talking about him being back in three weeks to a month. I really... Uh, I think what we're looking at right now maybe is best case scenario 
is that he's back by say week 16. I think that's a sort of something that maybe is more realistic. If he did get back in the season, maybe he's back by that second charger game. And then the Raider game beyond that, if, if you're fighting for something, but you know, it, it appears he's coming along. Well, certainly he's in very good spirits, but just because it's Von Miller's timeline doesn't mean it's going to be the actual timeline when all so, is said and done. So, Mace, your guess is maybe that three to four week timeline that he's he's saying is the time that he kind of gets back onto the practice field, and then there's you know a couple of more, a, a few more weeks until he's actually back. Is that the way that you would kind of interpret it? I would, I would, and I would say, and I would say maybe even. Uh, being back on the practice field within three weeks, even that is probably ambitious and, and optimistic, just given the nature of the in, in injury and how long the healing typically takes. I think uh, the, the, the absolute best case scenario, timing-wise, when he suffered the injury was playing in, in against Carolina in week, in week 14, middle of December, or more like early December, so first half of the month, I would I would say that's probably again I think that's probably a little bit ambitious to speak of. So I think it's more like the end of the month if he if he's back and and then the Broncos have a choice to make whether to bring him whether to bring him back and if if they're out of it or not. And it's and that's where these next few games are going to be key because because the next three weeks are probably are going to have probably determine whether the Broncos have a chance to be in it at the end or not. If they go, if they go two and one in these next three games, then I think there's a decent shot. They're in it until the end, uh, assuming that they don't lose any unexpected game and uh, unexpected games beyond say the chiefs and saints between now and then. So that there's a lot, there's a lot in play. I mean, I, Hey, people can be excited, but yeah, I'm going to be kind of the, the skeptic here and say, well, Let's wait and see on this. That was a pretty severe injury that Von Miller had. Well, and I think that's a totally fair perspective to have, Mace. But I'm I'm going to be optimistic on this. Well, that's because... you. <laughs> <laughs> that's you. I mean, it's everything is always wow and great news. That's you. you're actually you're actually that. I, I've, I've been covering this. I've been covering this game a little longer. I'm a little more skeptical. <laughs> and and that that's that's totally good. Maybe we'll we'll balance each other out well uh, on this pod for the listeners. Uh, and so when he when he suffered the injury, uh, he had surgery at the beginning of September. I believe September either 9th or 11th is when he had surgery. Um, and the timeline was five to six months for a normal recovery for him to return. So on that timeline. He's not playing ball this year at all. The best case scenario, best case scenario was three months, which would put him back, just like you said, for that game against Carolina on the road on December 13th. That was realistic, but best case scenario. What Von Miller's telling us right now is that he could be back before that best case scenario. So Mace, I don't, I don't think he's going to beat the best case scenario. In three weeks from now, that would be playing against the Saints at home on November 29th. Four weeks from now, one game after that would be Kansas City on the road on December 6th. Maybe, maybe, maybe he could do that. But I'm thinking Von Miller right now is back with the Broncos for that Carolina game. The best case scenario that was initially played out, I think Von Miller hits that. And then he's back in my mind, for the final four games of the season for the Broncos. And like you said, 
unless things go way off the rails, the Broncos should still be in the conversation, especially if there's that eighth playoff spot added. And man, would that be something else to go from not having Von Miller this year to get him back from the final four games would be huge. But Mace, I have a question for you about this because you said Von Miller's timeline could be different than the Broncos timeline. And, and I agree with you and understand that. But should Von Miller rush back to play this year? Is that in his best interest? If he does anything to compromise his future health, probably not. Because that future may not be with Denver. But Vaughn certainly, I think, is someone who wants to play into his 30s. He wants to push toward a high sack total, something that that put, that allows him to approach uh, the all-time leaders in sacks or certainly gets him above 150 sacks, which would basically – I think he's already a Hall of Famer, but that would basically seal it. That probably put him among the top 100 players if the NFL ever did that again. So something we've said is that Von Miller the next few years is playing for his legacy. Probably a Hall of Famer regardless, but uh, where does he rank? Is he a, a really good pass rusher that uh, made the Hall of Fame? Or is he in that class where you're talking about him in nearly the same breath as Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White and guys like that? And uh, that's, that's where what you do in your 30s uh, matters. Like, for example, you know, Julius Peppers, just, he kept on playing into his late 30s and kept, and kept pu- putting up seasons where he was get, getting seven and eight, 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 even 10 sacks. And as a result, Peppers ends up retiring and he's in the top, I believe, top four all time in sacks. And as clearly uh, joined that conversation of, of the all-time great pass rushers in football. So I, I think that's one of the things that's on the line here. And Vaughn and Von is very aware of his legacy, and he wants to leave a mark. Yes. And if I were able to whisper in his ear, I would say, Vaughn, you know, be the kind of the conscience, the Jiminy Cricket kind of thing. I'd say, don't jeopardize four years for four games. If you're going to do something that, that could lead to an exacerbation of this injury, rein it back in. But the thing is, Vaughn is such a competitor. That, that, that's, why he, that's why he gets up there and says three weeks. Because he, because he has competitive drive that uh, the rest of us can't fathom. But, you know, and a lot of these guys have that. But that's, that's where you know, the medical staff sometimes has to be the uh, – the adults in the room and say, uh, yeah, no, 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 not yet. Not yet. This is, if you go out there, these are the consequences, potential consequences of going out there. So that's where I'd be a little bit skeptical. If, if he can't exacerbate, if he's fully healed, get out there. If, if he is a hundred percent, but if, but if there is a risk of having the, of, of a recurrence on this injury or doing something uh, that causes another injury in this, in the same area, then I'd say then I'd say wait because Vaughn Miller, whether it's with with the Broncos or somewhere else, Vaughn, if he's healthy, ought to be able to get one more big contract. And that's another thing. You start talking about the financial implications of it. Uh, Demarcus Ware got that last big score with the Broncos in his thirties. If Vaughn is healthy, there's no reason why he can't get that big score as well. Whether it's in this off season if the Broncos let him go, or the following off season 
if the if he comes back for 2021 and his contract expires. Yeah, Mesa, I, I completely agree with you. I think this is a very uh, high risk, low reward for Vaughn personally if he comes back and plays this year because. I don't think really, I don't think there's anything Vaughn can do outside of something crazy like, you know, 10 sacks in the final four games where Vaughn Miller is coming back to the Denver Broncos on the current contract that he has. Uh, Regardless of if he plays this year or not, I don't think he's coming back on the Broncos with his deal, with his huge cap hit. I think regardless, he's going to have to take a a cap uh, hit and, and restructure and take a discount for next year to stay with the Broncos. So what happens, Mace, if he comes out and in four games he posts one sack? He posts no sacks. And that's not crazy to say. He had a slow start to the season last year, too. What happens if he has three sacks? You know, that, that's a good pace, but it's still nothing mind-blowing. So I just think that I totally understand and respect Vaughn for wanting to get out there. But if I'm his agent, you know, I may be in his ear saying, Vaughn, only if you think you can be unbelievably dominant. Does this help you for the future in terms of financial perspective? But I really commend him for, as a teammate, mm-hmm. just wanting to get out there. And certainly if the Broncos are in a playoff push, then it makes sense when he looks larger than just his team. But personally, I think it's low risk or, or high risk, low reward. Yeah. And I would say you, you mentioned the Panther game. And uh, after I have this thought, we got to talk about something that's breaking right now as you record this. Yeah. Um, What's the threshold on record for him to, if he's available, if he's ready by Carolina, if your timeline ends up being right on, what's the threshold on record? I would say the threshold on record is five and seven or better. Yes. Five because, and even then it, it might take a, it might take a silver bullet if there's only seven playoff teams. But if the Chris Mortensen scenario play that, that he reported on yesterday plays out, and you are talking about eight playoff teams in each conference, then you could be five and seven, go three and one in the last four, be sitting at eight and eight, and there you are. You, you, you probably have that last seed, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I think the, the key to being five and seven to begin with starts with winning two of the next three and, and being five and five when you play the Saints and Chiefs in uh, what could be the toughest back-to-back games of the year. Yeah, exactly. And then you would need to finish those four games. What you'd have to go at least three and one, Mace, right? If you're five three and seven, one. and right. that may not even make it in in the AFC, but there there's a chance it could. Uh, four and zero oh would likely make it in, and there's a chance the Broncos can beat all those teams. They beat the Chargers. We'll find out how they fare against the Raiders in the next couple of weeks. Buffalo looks like you know they they can beat any team in the league, but they're also mm-hmm. struggling a bit. Uh, and Carolina, uh, the Falcons just beat them, so they are very beatable as well. So, I'd say Carolina's problem. Carolina might be the uh, the softest game left on the schedule here. The way that the way that they're tracking, it looks like it, the book is out on the Panthers right now. Yes, it, it, yes, it it is, Mace. And of course, that breaking news that you're talking about, Mace, just coming in when we're recording this pod, is John Elway and Joe Ellis have both tested positive for COVID nineteen. Yeah. Wow. Ah. Getting crazy. So now you so now you have uh you have two two executives. Yep. And of course you have Graham Glasgow, a player. Um 
seems like the players are, are in the clear, but again, this is where that incubation pro- time comes into play here because it's, it, it's a five day to se- five to seven days before the viral load hits a point where you have a positive test. And this is just kind of part of uh, what we're, what you're fighting here around the league and uh, with every team. So yeah, this is uh, it, it doesn't have as much of an effect on the day to day of operations of the team as long as, as long as you can have enough players. But what does this do about close contacts? Like, for example, I mean, you know, Vic Fangio has a conversation with John Elway, right? I mean, hopefully they had distance when they were in the same room. If Vic popped in to say, hey, John, you got any trades in the works? Hopefully, hopefully Vic uh, followed his proximity monitor and, and stayed a distance away. I mean, and this is and this is why all the protocols exist for how you have to how you have to handle things when you're around the facility. This is why this is why they have the contact tracing. This is why they ha- they have the proximity monitors. So, hopefully, it's it's confined to this, and hopefully, both Joe Ellis and John Elway are, are okay. Of course, uh, the concern the concern for them is just simply that they're on the other side of 60 years old. So, uh, they are by that definition in a little bit of a higher risk group. So you just hope that they come through okay. Yeah, exactly. And Mace, that's of course the the very first thing is just hope the best for, for John and Joe, especially because of that. You know, I, the first time when I thought, Oh geez, COVID is scary in the NFL was when someone brought it up to me, Mace, that what if a coach gets COVID and because these players uh, all of the statistics say, you know, it's not good to get COVID of course, because we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, in the long-term effects, but young people don't typically die from it. So that would, that was never a huge concern, but what happens if a coach gets it? And you know, the Broncos head coach is over 60 years old. He's in high risk. Oh, what about executives? John Elway is flirting with that. Joe Ellis is over 60 years old. So that's when it gets scary. And that's when I thought, Oh boy, this is scary. And now it has in fact hit the Broncos and Mace, the Broncos have now been hit on every single level. Their two top executives, John Elway and Joe Ellis, their coaches, Curtis Motkins was over a week ago. Mike Munchak was one week ago. And players, Graham Glasgow, of course, has been hit. This thing is clearly in the Broncos building at really every single level and really coming in, coming in hot. Curtis Motkins was a while ago. All these other ones have been recent. Yeah, and uh, this is – you know, this is part and parcel of what we, we said le- last month with regards to the Patriots. You know, people wanted the, you know, they wanted the head on a pike with the Patriots. People are yelling forfeit, forfeit, but there's no evidence the Patriots did anything wrong. And the schedule had to be adjusted accordingly. So there's no evidence the Broncos did anything wrong here, but you can follow the protocols to the letter and it can still get in. And this is, and this is part of trying to operate without a bubble. And right. um, I mean, again, first, first priority is John Elway and Joe Ellis get better. Hope, uh, hope you don't have to deal with any discomfort, any issues uh, with, with this novel coronavirus. but, it's popping up more and more. We've seen the Packers who are basically uh, going to, have their roster shredded a little bit in terms of uh, in terms of skill position personnel Thursday night in all likelihood when they go play against the 49ers. The more you see this, the, the more the league, I think, has to start talking about 
at minimum a bubble for the playoffs. I mean, uh, we saw in a, in a relatively minor sport, but some of you may be aware, um, second-tier soccer, the USL in this country, had to cancel its championship game scheduled for this past weekend because of an outbreak for one of the teams. It was uh, Phoenix Rising and the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and the game had to be postponed because there was a COVID outbreak on, uh, on the Rowdies in particular. And, and imagine if you get to the postseason and there's an outbreak on a team and you can't, you can't move the game. And, I mean, what do you do? The, the, if the NFL really wants to have this season be a complete season, and have it be finished. I think the evidence is, is out there all over the place. They, they need to go into a bubble because they, they can't keep this thing out of their facilities if everybody's going home at night, even if they're following every rule. I mean, what if you're at home, you order a salad on Uber Eats or Postmates or whatever, and the chef coughs on it by accident and wasn't wearing a mask i mean that's the kind of thing you can follow the rules and it still gets in what you, you've got a, you've got a kid you go home and the kid ha- happens to be going to school right now and uh, and brings back COVID. i mean there's just there are too many ways that this thing can be punctured so yeah again i'm gonna sound like a gloomy gus i don't care but if they want to get this season in they gotta go they gotta they gotta go into a bubble if at least for the postseason yeah mesa i don't think I think you're, you're being realistic about where it is. And yesterday uh, we heard from Chris Morton said that the NFL is going to be brought uh, a proposal from the competition committee about expanding the playoffs to eight teams in each conference. If uh, the season isn't able to be a full 16 game. So at least there's some contingency plans going on there, but it needs to go further than that because uh, you're absolutely right. This does not seem good uh, at, at all. And if it's entering the Broncos, you have to imagine it's entering other facilities as well, or at least will be, because in Colorado, COVID rates are going way up. And so it, when it's going up in a city and a state, it's hard to keep it out of a building. Now, the Broncos, according to Mike Kliss, uh, are confident that transmission came from outside the building. But John Elway was in the facility yesterday, I believe, and that's when uh, trainer uh, Steve Antonopoulos, Greek, sent him home. So he was in the building. Uh, and also according to Mike, Joe Ellis, uh, was not in the building, but he did come in the building on Saturday to pick up his credential for a brief stop, uh, and then did not attend the game on Sunday because that's when he started to feel symptoms. John Elway started to feel symptoms on Monday. So while they are confident and hope it came from outside the building, according to Mike Kliss, these, both of these guys had been in the building, been around. Uh, the organization just you know a day or two before they started feeling symptoms and from everything we know about COVID is uh, you, you can have it and not show symptoms for for a couple of days. Right and and this is I mean this is part of of why whether you're talking about the NFL or you're talking about um, just life in general part of the issue of stamping this thing down is the incubation period and the fact that you can have it and not show symptoms and just be kind of out and about. I mean, if this, if this thing had a short incubation period and a short time and, and a short time before the viral load hit and resulted in a positive test and resulted in symptoms, believe it or not, this would actually be a little easier to tamp down. 
it's that it's that five to seven days where you can just be walking around and uh, be and feel good and feel normal and and have it. So, uh, it's I mean it, it's it's rough. I mean really, you hope that uh, the play the the players kind of dodged a bullet here because uh, we have not seen any positive tests among the players since Graham Glasgow had his positive test, but we're at the same time, we're still kind of, we're still in that area where the viral load can be building and uh, result in a positive test down the, down the line. So, I mean, Zach, I don't know about you, but every morning when I wake up, first thing I do is I look at my phone, I kind of cross my fingers that, that we haven't learned of more positive tests. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly where I am, Mace. I think it's naive to say that, you know, the Broncos are, are good now after getting these and, and no one else is positive. I think that's very naive to say. Um, you know, like you said yesterday, uh, ac- according to Mike Kliss, um, John Elway was in the building yesterday, reported the symptoms, yeah. and Greek sent him home. What if he did have a conversation with, with Vic Fangio, was in his room, was in close proximity, or at least close enough proximity? I'm not saying they broke any COVID protocols, but uh, this, this thing can spread very easy. What, what happens if that happens? And now you're talking about a, a head coach or other coaches. Broncos are without their defensive coordinator. They're without their offensive line coach. They had been without their running backs coach. Now they're without their president and CEO. Now they're without their general manager. I mean, right, right now, Vic Fangio kind of has a responsibility of all of those right now because, of course, he's the defensive guy, so he takes Ed Donatel extra duties from him. Uh, and he's general manager, and I guess if, Vic's if the alpha. Gonna, uh, he's, he's everything right now. That's a guy you can't afford to lose, that's for sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the Vic show. Yeah. Maybe he does make a trade. (laughs) Well, the thing is, of course, now with what John Elway does, as long as he's healthy and again, you know, cross your fingers, say a prayer, whatever that, uh, that everyone gets through this. Okay. Uh, John Elway, if he's feeling fine, can run the business of, of on the football side, he can run it from home. I mean, he did the draft from home. Joe Ellis can run the organization from home. Yeah. And in fact, Mace, when we talked to uh, Joe Ellis at the beginning of training camp, he was doing everything from home. We were talking to him via Zoom from his home. uh, And uh, apparently he started to come back into the building a little more. But I do believe that most of his duty has been from home. So in terms of uh, how this affects the Broncos uh, from a day to day, it's like you said at the beginning, Mace, it doesn't really affect the Broncos on a day to day basis. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if Vic, look, if Vic Fangio got it, that affects the day-to-day of the Broncos. Yes. And with all, with all respect to Joe Ellison, John Elway, Vic, right. get, Vic getting it is that, – that's where you say, whoa. Because, I mean, we recall what happened the last time a head coach had to uh, step away for a game because of, because of ill health. And that was Gary Kubiak back in 2016. And uh, we all like Joe DeKinellis. He's a good dude. But that night in San Diego, it looked like a rudderless ship. Yeah, Mace, who would be? Uh, I don't. I don't Who's even. Left? Wanna, I don't even want to think about it. But yeah, who 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 is left? I mean, the the great thing about having Mike Munchak on the staff, Mace, is he can be a great interim head coach, whether it's for a game, whether you know, Touchwood, you had to fire Vic Fangio for some reason. He could step in and do a good job. Well, you wouldn't have him to step in and take the head coaching duties. But then on the defensive side of the ball. 
who would be not just your, your, your head coach in that sense, but who would be your play caller? I mean, not at Donatel. Your play caller is probably going to be Reishi Herring. Uh, just experience, uh, experience. And I think, remember when Wade Phillips got hurt that one game and Herring had to kind of assume some uh, play responsibilities a few years ago? That would make the most sense, is, right. is Reggie Herring uh, running the show on the defensive side. And if Vic Fangio had to step, ha- had to step away because of protocols, who's going to be the head coach instead? Well, I mean, you know, Mike Munchak, I think, would have actually been the obvious choice because because he's not a coordinator and he's he's had a winning season he's been a, he's been a reasonably successful head coach in the NFL without Mike Munchak it would probably be Pat Shermer unless you want him to just focus on the offense and if that's the case then the next guy up would probably be Mike Shula who of course uh, was the head coach at the University of Alabama back in the mid 2000s so the the Broncos have some options here if Vic Fangio does have to step away uh, because of a, of a because of a close contact, I mean, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Again, if if Vic Fangio just you know wasn't near John Elway, on the other side of the room, had six feet of distance, didn't set off the proximity monitors that they're all wearing around the building. If that's the case, then I imagine Vic Fangio should be able to continue working. Yeah, yeah, I, I would think so too, and that's something, of course, we'll be following. So, Mace, first and foremost, I'll speak for both of us. Our best wishes. Uh, to anyone that has contracted COVID and, and today specifically to John Elway and, uh, and Joe Ellis, who are, are you know, more in the high risk than, than players are right now. So we're, we're hoping our best for them. And man, just another blow to the Broncos. And it, it, it's like you said, you're just nervous every morning waking up to potential more COVID-19 news. And that's certainly going to hold true for the next few days as well. As and it's interesting we start. Oh, sorry. It's sorry. But it's interesting we started this conversation talking about Von Miller because right. uh, that was he had uh, one of the first positive COVID tests around the NFL, and he dealt with it months ago. So yep. uh, th- this podcast on this election day feels, uh, feels very reflective of the reality in which we've been trying to operate this year. Yes, it does. It certainly, certainly does. And Mace, let, let, let's change gears here and dive into the comment section. Talk to the people. But before we do, got to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And with so many storylines across both professional and college sports, this is the time to check out DraftKings Sportsbook because they have everything you need to, uh, they, they have to offer. If you haven't tried the app yet, head to the app store now because you don't want to miss this. To celebrate Sunday's action, DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100. That's right, you bet they cover with risk-free betting on Sunday. This weekend, Denver is taking on Atlanta in a clash of two teams trying to make their way back this year. So get in on all of the action now. On top of those great sign-up offers, DraftKings also offers great odd boosts every Sunday to help you make it rain. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the App Store right now and download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code RAINBOW when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right, you bet, and they cover it up to $100 when you use the promo code RAINBOW during sign-up. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Ah, boy, oh boy. I wonder if uh, we're going to see some games taken off the DraftKings board because of 
COVID tests around the NFL. We already, we've already seen uh, some issues there. It's enough to make you want to grab a drink. And maybe tonight's election results will be enough to make you want to grab a drink. And if that's the case, that drink you grab should be from our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can, of course, check out the 15-can sampler. You can get it from Drizzly. I've also seen it over at Costco. It's at plenty of grocery stores. If you want to feel a little bit like the holidays, try their Christmas sale. It's got plenty of it in stock at grocery stores throughout Colorado right now. Yeah, it's a nice day. It's probably going to push around 70 degrees. It may not feel like Christmas, but if you want to forget about everything going on, if you want to forget about COVID, if you want to forget about uh, the election, just ha- and just kind of get a preview of what's to come in December, jolly holiday times at home, get yourself some Christmas ale over at Breckenridge Brewery. To me, it just tastes like December, tastes like, it tastes like you're sitting around the fireplace underneath the mistletoe, wreath on the door, lights twinkling on the tree, presents under the tree, all that good stuff. Of course, if you're outside of Colorado, maybe you don't have the same array of Breckenridge brews, but you're going to have some options, as we found out from one of our listeners earlier this week. You can get some Strawberry Sky in upstate New York around Buffalo. If you want to find out where to get Breckenridge brews around the country, go to the Breck Beer website and check out the Breck Beer locator. I've been able to find Breckenridge brews in upstate New York, found them in Wisconsin, found them in Pittsburgh. You know what? I might just go looking for some Breckenridge brews down in Atlanta in a few days when hopefully there's going to be a Broncos-Falcons game and I'll be sitting around waiting for it to happen. And what better way to do that on a Saturday night, watch a little college football, have some Breckenridge brews. That's my plan. And there's nothing wrong with it being your plan as well. And of course, back in the Denver area, you want a meal, you want more than just the beer, check out the Farmhouse, their restaurant at their brewery in Littleton. It's right off Santa Fe. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup if you just want to do a takeout order. And you can get some beers as well. If you want to eat in person, no problem. They've got you covered. They're, they're following all social distancing protocols. They're keeping things legal. But also call 303-803-1380. You may want a reservation just to make sure you get in there, get that table, and can enjoy that food over at the farmhouse at the brewery in Littleton. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer, DNVR. All right, Mace, let's talk to the people. First one coming in from the NFL's highest paid RAV4, full of six-toed cats and miners, covered in yeasty spread and PB&Js, driving through a straw both ways with Pleasure Horse riding shotgun, strumming up a good one in the parlance and of a, in a, a – in the parlance of an obscure reporter, holy I think smokes. that's covered everything. Yeah, and I think that's the comment right there. <laughs> it was long <laughs> enough. He goes on and says, you're welcome. Also, that name should just be a t-shirt. Just saying. Wow. What does a 4-4 four and four start at this point mean for the Broncos? I think it means that we're 4-1 and one in our last five games. Basically, we are in week nine, where we were week 17 last year. This is assuming we win the game against the Falcons. However, I believe it is significantly more vital to beat the Raiders. If we won both of those games, we would be 5-4, and four, having gone 5-1 and one in our last six games, and would be put, positioned in second place in the AFC West. The most important game in trying to stay in a playoff race could very well be against the Raiders. Thoughts? Appreciate all you do. Links. You're not wrong. The Raiders game, and then I'd say the Dolphins game right behind that, because they too are in the playoff race, although if they're going to be a playoff team, Tua Tagovailoa is going to have to play better than he did on Sunday. But the Dolphins, they have the best scoring defense in the NFL right now. They're keeping teams off the board. They're forcing turnovers. That was a big part of why they beat the Rams on Sunday. 
So, yeah, the Raiders and Dolphins games, those two are more important. At the same time, I would not assume a win over the Falcons. I, I, I actually argue, Zach, and I was watching some of the Falcons uh, late last night. They're a better team than the Chargers overall right now. Forget about two and six. Focus on this. They're two and one under Raheem Morris. If Todd Gurley does what he is told to do, they're three and zero under Raheem Morris. And before the coaching change, just really they they have themselves to blame for not being five and three right now. And this is a point in the Broncos' favor because the Falcons have done some incredibly dumb things in terms of uh, execution and planning. Like against the Bears, for example, the play calling when they're trying to hold lead in the fourth quarter is horrific. Doesn't do any good what, what they were trying to do, just come out there and throw, throw, throw. Against the Cowboys, there was the failure to, to recover the onside kickoff. So it's a team that it's closer than you think. And I, I, I believe this is going to be a tougher game than the Chargers game was. But the thing is, like the Chargers, this is a team that will shoot itself in the foot, but in a different way than the Chargers do. Right. Yep, yep. I mean, the Falcons are not a team to overlook, that's for sure. You cannot be counting this game as a win. But to answer the question directly, yeah, the Raiders game is the most important one in the next few. But it doesn't mean you can drop the other two against the Dolphins and the Falcons just win the Raiders and you're fine. No, because the Dolphins are actually another team that's right there that you're fighting for one of those playoff spots as well. And the thing that is, let's say we're talking about a loss on Sunday. And I know there's going to be a lot of frustration in Broncos country if they're three and five and lose the Falcons. But what I would say is this, more important games are coming up anyway. That If you're five and five after the Dolphins game, You've given yourself a shot. Yeah. Five and five. You're in, you're in it. And I know, yeah, those, those games against the Saints and Chiefs are going to be tough, but then you've got some winnable games on the backside of it. Five and five means you, means you are in the race. And, and that's why a loss on Sunday might be frustrating, but it's not, not the end of the world. I mean, let's face it. If they'd lost the Chargers on Sunday, two and five, we wouldn't have liked their chances to go two and one in the next three games and be five and five, but they've got that one win in their back pocket. Five and five certainly seems like a very reasonable goal from, th- from three games that frankly, Zach, these games right now appear to be coin flips. Yep. Yep. I, I completely agree, Mace. And if, if you lose this game, it's probably the least important one of the next three, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean drop it. It certainly doesn't mean drop it. Yes, exactly. Yellow mustard looks like the NFL's highest paid rap for full of six toed cats and miners covered in yeasty spread and PB and J's driving through a straw both ways with pleasure horse riding shotgun strumming up a good one in the parlance of an obscure reporter has a badge next to their name called badge title. And I'm just wondering how I can get on their level. Stay undefeated, the NFL's highest-paid rap four full of six-toed cats and miners covered in yeasty spread and PB&Js driving through a straw both ways, a pleasure horse riding shotgun, strumming up a good one in the parlance of an obscure reporter. <laughs> wow, that was something else. So I don't think there's anything there, just a bunch of names, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I think the only thing we're forgetting is uh, Pop-Tarts and uh, <laughs> yes. dishwasher salmon and... Uh, 
Those are for the those are for the true OGs there. <laughs> and uh, cost control quarterbacks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Next one coming in from Casper. Fellas, let me start by saying that it is a damn shame that it is what is now dubbed the butt cheek game. The Jake Butt wasn't inact was wasn't active. Anyway, on to my question. I feel the game against Atlanta this week will come down to who can protect the quarterback better. Matt Ryan has been sacked 17 times this year, with 10 of them coming when teams haven't blitzed. Chubb and Reed have kept their momentum going with a sack each against the Chargers. Do you guys feel like Atlanta will be a better effort to stop the Denver pass rush than teams have been in the last month? I think they'll make a. I think they'll make a better effort. I think uh, also, uh, you look at some of the quarterbacks over the past month, and you go through Sam Darnold, with the exception of Patrick Mahomes, Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, who uh, you know he's. He's got some mobility, but uh, he is prone to sacks. And then, of course, Justin Herbert being a young quarterback. Uh, Matt Ryan's probably closer to Patrick Mahomes in, in that regard. Not as mobile as Patrick Mahomes, but having a good feel for the rush. If, if Malik Reed and Bradley Chubb both get a sack on Sunday, I think that's a, that's a great day. Yes, uh, right, that would right now. be a huge day. And Matt Ryan is a guy that you can sack. Like you said, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but has mm-hmm. that veteran experience. Uh, I saw last week he, he was escaping some pressure. Didn't he run for a touchdown too? I believe so. And, I mean, so maybe and he, a little the, more the, mobile than people would think. The Falcons are allowing two sacks a game. I think that the thing that could really mess things up a little bit for the Broncos is if the Falcons look at what the Chargers did on the ground and say, you know, we've got somebody in Todd Gurley. He's only averaging 3.8 yards per carry, but he's, he's a hoss, and we can ride him. And we feel like against the interior of the Broncos' defense, without Mike Purcell, without Jarrell Casey, that he can average 4.5 yards a carry. And if that's the case, Zach, then unfortunately for the Broncos, it, it's going to help the ability to keep Matt Ryan upright because it's going to bring the play action into play. Uh, they're probably going to uh, – they're going to throw out some tighter formations and then the other thing to consider is this the Falcons have pretty good depth in terms of receiving targets especially with Hayden Hurst who's really starting to come on for them uh, in recent weeks so you can't it's similar to the Chargers in that you can't bring the safeties up against the run as often as you'd like. You can't cheat them forward because they've got to have responsibilities on the back end. And of course, Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson are going to have some coverage responsibilities too. So you can't stack the box uh, to help that run defense. You've got to play them honest here because otherwise you're going to get, you're going to get beaten down the seam and intermediate by Hayden Hurst and get beat, beaten over the top by Julio Jones. So the Broncos face some difficult choices and they become more difficult if AJ Boye is out with a concussion. Of course, he's going to go through the protocol this week. Yep, exactly. Yeah, man, not having A.J. Boye against Julio Jones is going to be tough. But that's why you have Vic Fangio, Mason, also Bryce Callahan playing, uh, you know, exceptionally well right now. And, Mace, who said that Bryce Callahan can't cover tall receivers as we saw the 5'9 cornerback steal an interception from 6'4 Mike Williams? He's going to need to come up big again this week against another big receiver. Yeah, exactly. You need more of that. Count Locula. What does it mean if you dream of free falling into a bottomless pit only to be devoured by a giant Wally Drago in a color rush Aaron Rodgers jersey on the way down? Love the count. Well, I don't know what any of that meant except the count when you said 
Aaron Rodgers jerseys, I got to say that that's a nightmare count. It doesn't mean good things. Although here's the thing. I thought the, uh, I thought the Aaron Rod, the, the Packers color rush Jersey was just white on white, right? Um, I believe so. Their uniform, yeah. their uniform is white on white. So that means it's just their regular white Jersey. <laughs> wow. I feel like we're definitely getting deep into uh, to dreams if we're, well, speaking of dreams, I had a football-related one a couple of nights ago. Uh-oh. And I, it's one of those things where you know how you have a dream where you can't remember everything, but you remember certain details? Yep, yeah. Certain names popping up? Well, for some reason, the names that kept popping up in this dream were all NFL players who came from out of Old Dominion University. Uh, no way. <laughs> so Travis, Travis Fulgham the receiver, of course, uh, for the Eagles, who's absolutely lighting things up right now and really is keeping that team alive. Uh, O'Shane Ziminis, uh, the, the pass rusher they had, at, I, believe the, uh, the, I believe the Giants had drafted him. Uh, Taylor Heineke, remember him? Quarterback prospect a few years ago. And, yes. of co- and of course, from your Denver Broncos, Jeremy Cox, also a guy who was a monarch from – Old Dominion University right there in Norfolk, Virginia. Mace, why are you dreaming of Old Dominion NFL play? That is is literally absurd. (laughs) I I don't know. I mean, think about it. ODU, and it's it's a young program. It started, I believe, in 2009. They've only had two guys get drafted. A few more than that, that actually make the league. I have no clue why I was dreaming about the NFL players to come from out of old dominion. I, I don't know. I, I don't get, this is how my brain operates. <laughs> that is wild Mace. I love, I love taking these little peeks into your brain. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's scary, isn't it? I, I wonder <laughs> though, if maybe this is a subconscious thing, you know, we all, we all have some, you know, we all have some, uh, some weird followers on our Twitter feed. And that's, yes, that is true. And I noticed a few weeks ago that Old Dominion football was following me. Now they're not now weird thing is they're not following me anymore. So they followed me and then they unfollowed me. So it must have been a mistake. <laughs> wow. Did that happen recently? It. Yeah, like in the last month or so. I don't know. <laughs> wow. I, I do not understand. That is, that is something else. Wow. Maybe, maybe someone else will have a, a dream for us. Next one coming in from Brian. If you could have one non-star level player from any other team, who are you adding to the Broncos? For me, it's Tariq the Freak Cohen. Love seeing a healthy fill out there. Hopefully, y'all have a great week. Also, Zach, I sent you a small surprise in our Madden League. Ooh, Brian, can't wait to see that small surprise. Mm, one, maybe, it's, one... maybe, it's a, maybe it's his dream, Mace. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. One non-star level player from any other team. Ooh, Brian, I, I like Tariq Cohen, but then you turn around and say Philip Lindsay, that, that you like him. I feel like I'd, I'd like the player of Tariq, but I feel like you could go somewhere else since you already have Phil. So, Mace, what, yeah. what do the Broncos need? Oh, oh, how about uh, – they, they need a coverage linebacker. Okay, okay. I, I was going to stick on the defensive side of the ball and go like a run stuffer. Yeah, well, right now, obviously, run stuffer, run stuffing nose tackle is what you need in, in the short term. But, uh, 
I mean, it, it depends on, like, how you define a star-level player, you know? Throw, I mean, throw, throw a name at me, and I'll, I'll, I'll be the judge. All right. Um, Deion Jones of the Falcons. Yeah, you can have him. Okay. Deion Jones. Acceptable. Acceptable. Because he can, act, because he, he can cover tight ends. Yeah. There are very few guys that can do what he does. I mean, he's not, he's not a, a great guy in the box in terms of against the run. But he can cover. Yeah. Mace, who, who would be a non-star run stuffer? A non-star run stuffer at nose tackle. Yeah. Hmm. And typically uh. you can get a better player there because that's a, not as, as uh, rated as high or valued as high. Well, Vita Vea was healthy. He'd help. Right. Yeah, he certainly would. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go Vita Vea. I don't think he's a star. Okay. So there All we right. go. Next one from Broncos Squared. Hello, gentlemen. For those of us in the DNVR family who have Twitter, can we agree on a tweet to send to Nick Wright when the Broncos get four wins and for every win after that? I'd love to join in on the tweet bombs he deserves for calling out Mace and making such a lazy prediction, an exceptionally lazy take given the large sum of cash he undoubtedly makes on TV. Makes me sick. Anyway, bring 28 or anyway, number 28 of the chargers really uh, messed up when he interfered with Albert O chef's kiss. Mwah. Chargers got to charge off a cliff later, man. Oh, Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's, it's just, what are they doing? I mean, these, these things always happen to the Chargers, always. Yeah. And to a lesser degree, the Falcons, and maybe the Broncos are going to get lucky and get helped again this week. Although, the Broncos' history against the Falcons is, uh, let's just say, it's, it's not as good as it is against the Chargers. The Broncos have that Super Bowl win. They also have a loss in 2016, a loss in 2012, a loss in 2004. 21st century hasn't been kind to the Broncos against the Falcons. No, it certainly has not, Mace. In fact, uh, the last time they played, the Broncos really wished they had Deion Jones in, on their, in their uh, defensive side in order to slow down the Falcons running backs out of the backfield. Absolutely. So uh, we'll have to, we just have to wait and see, you know, just have to wait and see. Yep. You want me that, to take the next one? You got it. All right. Casper, fellas, there's been plenty of discussion on this pod trying to get a good comparison for Drew Locke. Well, I have a guy that I don't recall being tossed in there, but actually does compare pretty similar. Broncos country may not like this, but what about Derek Carr? Here are the per-game averages from Carr's rookie season compared to the 10 games Locke has participated in. Locke, 81.3 QB rating, 61.2 completion percentage, 194.7 yards per game, 1.1 touchdowns, 0.8 INTs, 1.3 sacks per game. Sorry. I'm leaving out QB wins, QB record. I just can't do it. Just can't say it. <laughs> Carr, 76.6 QB rating, 58.1 completion percentage, 204.4 yards per game, 1.3 touchdowns a game, 0.8 interceptions per game, 1.5 sacks per game. The big difference is wins and losses, but you can chalk that up to overall team, overall team talent as the 2014 Raiders had little of it. Should Broncos fans be concerned or not if Derek Carr 2.0 is leading the team for the foreseeable future. Well, what what Derek Carr, Mace, are the Broncos getting? Are the Broncos getting the one that was uh, very much on an MVP-level track before getting injured? Are they getting in the one the next few years who 
Well, he, Derek Carr has really never been a bad quarterback, maybe outside of one year where he's been maybe below average, but he's always been solid. He hasn't had the sexy factor, but I think Drew's always going to have the sexy factor. Now, maybe it's uh, you know really bad sometimes, like we saw in the first half, but if he pans out, he's not going to be Derek Carr 2.0. But if, if, if Drew Locke has the stats and production that Derek Carr has had, with the sexy factor, Mace, he's, he's going to be viewed as a success in Broncos country. You're saying sexy factor all the time. I, I keep hearing it in a Borat voice. Make sexy time. Make What's sexy it? factor. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's the mascara he wears, you know? How can I not think of that? <laughs> uh, my name is Borat. I like a you. I like a six. Very nice. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Love it. Oh gosh. Uh, maybe we should have a we should have we should have Borat do like a Broncos highlight at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. We're we're off kind of off the rails, are are we? Yeah, the cars thing is an interesting comparison because do the Broncos have the Broncos fans have patience for that? Again, that third year, like you said, playing an MVP level in twenty sixteen. Interestingly enough, with Billy Musgrave as his offensive coordinator. Yep. I'm not sure Broncos fans want me to bring that name up again, but I just did. (laughs) Billy Moose. All right. T Meeks. My boys. Even if the Broncos do not trade away or acquire anyone at the deadline, what is the biggest position of need at this point? D-line, guard, linebacker, or special teams? Hmm. What do you think, Mace? Mm. The immediate need is D-line. Yeah, exactly. That's what You're I'm going really to. compromised there. I mean, it's 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 Shelby Harris and and we see with Draymond Jones, he's got potential as a pass rusher, but definitely they're not as strong at the point of attack against the run right now without both Mike Purcell and Jarrell Casey. That's the thing. I think Casey's injury is so far in the rearview mirror, we're forgetting a little bit about it, but that's part of this as well. I think they'd be holding up a lot better with Casey out there. Uh, they're having to start Deshaun Williams. He's, he's fighting his tail off, but it's, it's a struggle right now. And I think teams are going to test the Broncos on the ground and, and, until they can stop the run. Now, beyond the short term in terms of injuries, the reason why I said Deion Jones is they do need a coverage linebacker. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, Mace, I think you answered it perfectly. Right now, it's definitely a defensive line. Number two, what are your go-to tips for getting rid of hiccups? I've had them for a couple of hours as of right now, and I'm willing to try almost anything. Stay awesome. Mace, I actually got this uh, trick from this podcast. One of our commenters said, like, their crazy uncle (laughs) told them to do this, and it worked. And I've done it every time I've had the hiccups, and it's worked every single time. So this is, like, double, triple tested. Here's what you do. And, Mace, tell me if you've ever heard of this. You get a cup of water. Uh, then you put a paper towel over the top and then you drink the water through the paper towel and the hiccups go away. It's incredible. It's such an easy trick and it works for me every single time. Okay. You know, what works for me is getting like a bottle of water or a cup of water and, and then just, I I gulp it down. I, I drink it like, John Belushi in Animal House drinking the fifth of Jack Daniels. And then I hold my breath 
for as long as possible. Okay. And I find that almost every time the hiccups stop, and then my reaction is kind of the same, the same as, uh, as Belushi slash John Blutarski. Thanks. I needed that. <laughs> <laughs> love it so team meeks hopefully you still don't have hiccups considering you left this comment last night but if so there you go hopefully it can be cured and guys one thing you should also do whether you have the hiccups or not is check out wgt golf we've got an awesome tournament dropping this weekend for you with i believe some prizes out there so keep your eyes open for that but in order to participate you must download the app and have wgt so make sure to go to dnvrgolf.com to download wgt golf go to dnvrgolf.com it's free to download the app that just lets wgt know that you want to play with us wgt golf is not only the official gaming golf or gaming uh partner of dnvr but it's also been my favorite game for over a month started playing it on my ipad now i play it on my phone Anywhere I go, I can play WGT, whether it's for an hour, whether it's for five minutes. So get in on it. I love it because it's so realistic and you get to play real golf courses like Pebble Beach and St. Andrews. So make sure to download WGT Golf by going to dnvrgolf.com and play with us. Yep. You know what? We're talking about hiccups and it hit me just now as I'm getting ready to do the read that is in front of me. You really don't want to have hiccups when you go to the dentist's office, right? No, certainly not. And I wonder, what happens if somebody has the hiccups when they go in? Maybe I'll ask the folks over at Green Mountain Dental in Lakewood what happens if a patient comes in with hiccups. What do they do? How do they cure them? Because, I mean, you don't want to send the patient home. They need to have their teeth cleaned. They need to have a dental surgery, whatever it takes. Green Mountain Dental Group can help you with all that, of course. They're the Best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. They're big-time Colorado sports fans just like you are and just like the folks here at DNBR. If you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, don't forget you're going to receive that free Sonicare toothbrush. I love the one that I've got. I wouldn't want to brush with anything else in the morning. Makes my breath feel fresh. Sonicare, a couple, two minutes of brushing, some floss, a little mouthwash. <sighs> Good to go. Green Mountain Dental Group, if you go there, they're going to treat you like family. They'll give you birthday cards. They'll let you, they'll let you know they care about you. And uh, that's the thing. You're a, you're a patient, but you're also a friend when you go to Green Mountain Dental Group. They're 15 minutes from downtown Denver, located in Lakewood. And they always want you to know that the first step to good health is by taking care of your mouth. So check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood, the best damn family-owned dentist in the Denver metro area. Next one coming in from Thick Fangio. Since we're talking about superstitions, I just want to throw out there that me wearing my Jake Plummer jersey is 2-0 this season so far, and me rocking a mustache is 1-0. Looks like the stash is staying till we lose or until I need to get within 500 feet of a school, <laughs> and Plummer jersey will be regular Sunday attire. May the thickness be always be with you all. Is it a mustache like the one that Jake Plummer had? And if so... Are you accentuating it with the blue blocker sunglasses that he wore for a national television interview? He had the mustache. He had the blue blockers. I mean, talk about a quarterback with some swag right there. Oh, yeah. That was so, snake. So much swag, and he knew it too, man. <laughs> and if you want to complete it, go get yourself a green Honda Element and go cruising down Hamden. <laughs> Is that what he was in? Yeah. And the thing is, uh, more guys should do that. I mean, don't don't go blowing $100,000 on a car. 100 elements perfectly good to get you from A to B. 
Oh, man, and that, that's amazing as a quarterback to be doing that. I love it. Yeah, and you know what? He's doing very well right now in part because he saved his money. Yep, exactly. Big T, hey, guys. Okay, I've been biting my tongue for a few days now, but I've decided to get ranty. What makes people think they can boo anyone? What is this, a play in medieval England or in UK Parliament booing? Really? Go do it in front of a mirror and then see what you look like and have a think about whether you want to do it again. I get that humans are sheeple and just follow the trends of what is socially acceptable and booing your sports teams is seemingly acceptable. Save my head. But man, it makes me sick. Put yourself in their shoes. They play to earn a shed load of money. Yes, but they play for all of us too. And how do you think that motivates them when they see people booing? I know it wouldn't make me play harder and it obviously annoyed Locke too. Yes, I understand there are positives to booing. For some players and coaches, it gives them the kick up the backside they need, but I would argue that these are drastically outweighed by those that get peed off and care less. Damn it, it's just plain rude to boo another person. Please don't do it. And then there are the circumstances. Last time I checked, Drew had played less than 10 games in the NFL, an exciting young rookie and we, who we were all excited to see this year, and we boo him after a couple of bad games. Have the failures of Simeon, Osweiler, Lynch, Keenum, and Flacco really made you see two bad games and say I'm out on lock? I'm almost to the point of thinking we as a fan base don't deserve them to work out. Peace out and love to all, even the damn Boers, the Big T. Whoo, man, the Big T saying Broncos country may not even deserve Drew Locke. And, hey, I get it. Booing is, uh, is something that some fans feel very passionate about, whether they want to boo or whether they don't think it's warranted. Uh, but you know, I, I don't have a big issue either way. I can tell you, I have never personally booed my own, own team. Um, but I, I've heard enough arguments of, of why people do it, why, uh, you know, I'm open to both sides. Yeah. I think, I don't think you boo high school kids. I think it's really right. borderline to boo college guys. I don't really, I'm not really down with that. That's fair. You get, to, you get to the pros, they're earning a paycheck. Yeah. Um, big paycheck at that. And I think it's okay to boo as long as it's not something that is often, like if it's used sparingly, like I would say this, the booing on Sunday, I know that people are going to say it's all at Drew Locke. I think it's also on the offense of the team as a whole, because your offense is going nowhere. The team is down 24-3. It's been outscored 67-19 in the previous roughly game and a half. Um, aside from the Jets game, the offense just hasn't moved consistently uh, since really the, the Texans game of last year. I can't blame anybody for booing. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Big T. I, I could not disagree with you more on this. And having worked inside an organization, I can tell you that the worry is not when fans boo. Because they ever, there's an understanding when you step back from it that, boo, that fans care when they boo. You know, there's the, old, there's a, the cliche that it takes fewer my, my muscles to smile than frown. But it takes even fewer to sit there with a doping look on your face and be indifferent. Yeah. And when you don't hear the booing when things are going well, that's indifferent. That's apathy. That's what you really don't want. Booing means people care. And I, I do believe in the Philadelphia concept of, of corrective booing. Is there a moment where it goes too far? Yes. Example, the Broncos being booed off the field at halftime against Jacksonville in 2013 when they were leading. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, that's unacceptable. But when you have a team that is getting, you know, getting thrown around, and by the way, I mean, maybe you have a different opinion on this, Zach, but when they were down 24-3, I wasn't seeing a heck of a lot of fight and a heck of a lot of electricity and vigor until Philip Lindsay galloped off tackle. Yeah. So I, I, I think the booming was completely justified. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Next one coming in from Bronco Turp. One thing I took from the game Sunday was the change in play calling from around the middle of the third on. As it's been noted by you guys, they just seem to let Locke and, and O go play football rather than make them fit into the system. The best coaches, in my opinion, are the ones who find ways to play to their team's strengths rather than vice versa. You find at, that at public high school level more than college or pro sports simply because of roster turnover and an inability to recruit guys who fit in a system. It's clear Elway wants a certain system run, but what's also clear is that it is dated. Shermer needs to prove he can merge his offense with the talent that is on the roster or we're going to repeat this vicious cycle all over again. They should let Locke be Locke to some degree. Now, you don't want him taking too many unnecessary risks, but I'd like to see a little more up-tempo look from the Broncos. I still want to see more two tight end formations, but you can still make things happen in the passing game out of that. But that being said, let's see how all that looks against a team that isn't playing prevent. And when I went back and uh, we watched the game yesterday and watched the All-22 film, I see in the late third, early fourth quarter, multiple receivers with huge windows play after play because the Chargers are dropping seven guys back. They're yeah. rushing four, and without Joey Bosa, that four-man rush generally isn't getting home to even pressure Drew Locke, and then you're seeing seven guys drop back. And like you take like the Jerry Judy 43-yard pass on third and 16, and you got four guys with huge windows. Yeah, on that play. I mean, he, he Drew Locke can, can pick any number of directions. Let's see what happens against a team that uh, isn't playing back. And I, I get why the Chargers were doing that. The secondary that doesn't have Derwin James, doesn't have Chris Harris Jr., didn't have Desmond King because they made him a healthy scratch preparing to trade him. But I, I don't think you're going to see that as much going forward. So let's see if everything works against defenses that aren't giving those huge windows. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Mason. That's why, you know, maybe Shermer and Locke started clicking, but also maybe it was exactly what you're talking about. That's why I think these next couple of weeks are going to be so fascinating to see how it, how it develops. It was probably both. Right. Little, you know, a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Yep, exactly. Dan Burke chiming in. Hey, guys, can we talk about how good Bryce Callahan has been? Dude took a pay cut this offseason and is even more than re-earning those incentives with his play. Really don't think it's a stretch to think he could be an all-pro this year because there isn't a better slot corner in the league right now. You make a good point. He's playing his tail off and had to do more than be just a slot corner, of course, uh, with A.J. Boye down. It might have to be more than just a slot corner again, but he's really he's really stepping up. He, he's exactly what Vic Fangio expected when he brought him in. Just had to wait on the delivery just because he sat out last year. But, yeah, he looks really good. And just cross your fingers that he doesn't have an injury because injuries, unfortunately, are part of the story with Bryce Callahan's career. Season-ending injury in 2019, missed all of 2020. He's missed time here and there for various injuries. Cross your fingers that he stays healthy. The Broncos desperately need him. 
Yeah, Bryce has proven Vic Fangio right, that's for sure. Yep, Vivid Swing. Missed the cutoff yesterday, so I'll just repost the essence of my comment here. What a game. But how are we Europeans supposed to go to bed at 2 a.m. right after the final play? Had to stay up another hour to calm myself down. Man, I'm so excited for next week already. Also, have a great election day, everyone. Hope everything stays relatively quiet over there, no matter the outcome. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Vivid Swing. And it's a very, very good message. That's, that's exactly what we want at the end of this is, you know, our country not to go into total mayhem, that's for sure. Yeah, because if it does, I don't know how many people are going to be caring about football. <laughs> that's a good point. We're happy that all that of way. you still are, too, caring about yeah. football. <laughs> we'll, Nick, we'll be the escape. Yes, exactly, like we always are. Nick Cox says, hey, guys, great content as always. Thank you, Nick. I don't usually comment on here much, but did anyone else hear Ryan say, I like my quarterbacks to little have a little a-hole during yesterday's pod. That's all. You guys are awesome. Keep up the awesome work. I did hear that. I did. I heard that as well. And uh, there's a fine line between uh, being being an a-hole and uh, and being a good teammate and one that isn't. It's it's very tough to kind of to kind of walk that. So I think Drew Walk walk on the right side of that. But there are some QBs that uh, have a little too much more too much of that. So. Like uh, like one named Aaron, he uh, he can rub people the wrong way too much. It seems. Yeah, he can. <laughs> Can't argue with the results, though. Uh, uh, oh yeah, how did how did he look this week against a one in five team? Oh, I'm talking about big picture. I'm not talking about this <laughs> one game. I know. I just when I <laughs> anytime I see Aaron Rodgers losing, I have to bring it up on the pod. <laughs> oh, I know. And I was thinking about that. I'm, I'm I was watching some of that game early, and I'm thinking, oh boy, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have this come up at some point this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're a great quarterback, you're not losing to one in five teams. Hey, I mean, Tom Brady almost did last night, but he's making sure that doesn't happen. Well, I remember a. Uh, I remember a, a Packers-led team with Brett Favre that lost to a Colts team that I believe was like 0-9 or 0-10. Yeah, um, that's Brett Favre. I think kinda... 0-10 back in 97. I mean, these things happen from time to time. <laughs> Hans chimes in. First-time listener, first-time commenter here. Welcome, Hans. We got him. Yep. Thanks, thanks for bringing all of us Bronco joy and misery sometimes on a daily basis. I'm curious if you guys saw Shelby Harris and Mike Purcell clapping back at Broncos country on Twitter today. I think they have every right to call out the fan base for booing and being quick to write off the team and certain players. I have always believed that booing your own team does not lead to anything good. And our fan base does not handle losing and disappointment with a whole lot of grace, which is a byproduct of being mostly a winning franchise for the last several decades. What are you guys' thoughts on this little feud going on between the Broncos players and the people they are calling the doubters? All right, Mace, did you see the uh, uh, interactions on Twitter? Uh, not yet. No, I'm looking them up right now. If, uh, yeah, it, 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 check them out because what happened was uh, a fan of, of a blogger, not, connect, not a reporter in any way to the team, uh, put out on Twitter that uh, – the team calling out fans is, you know, separating them and it's divisive and it doesn't help. These are the, the people that support them. And Shelby Harris clapped back and said, don't care. And now I didn't see what Mike Purcell said as well. Maybe you can find it, Mace. Did, did you find it there? Yeah, Mike Purcell said absolutely could care less. Not the best supporters if that's their feelings. Of course, 
Mike Purcell, that's that means you do care at least a little. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe I should should I, uh, should I respond to that? And, and then. Um, and then Purcell said, is it acceptable when they call for us to be fired because we make a mistake or play in a game? There are things that can be left unsaid. And, uh, you know, I think it's – I think that th- there's a, a line. I think, boo- I think booing in general, that's okay. I think if you yell something specific like that, that's probably crossing a line. Yeah. Like uh, – and, and one thing that is kind of part and parcel of the NFL in 2020 is if you only have 5,700 fans, you know what? If you yell it, they're going to hear every word. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think it's okay ever, whether you're in a stadium, whether you're talking to your friend, whether you're talking to, uh, you know, a professional football player, I don't think it's ever okay to, to say mean things and say things that you wouldn't, uh, you know, say to your family. So I don't support that at all by any means. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm – I'm thinking about a Simpsons episode here where um, uh, the nuclear power plant gets major league baseball players to play on their company softball team. And uh, one of them is Daryl strawberry. And back in the day, people would uh, chant Daryl, 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 to kind of mock him. (laughs) And so on the episode, of course, Bart and Lisa start going Daryl, Daryl. And, Marge tells him not to do that. And Lisa says, oh, they're just pro athletes. It rolls right off their backs. And then a single tear goes down. Stale strawberries. No, that's so <laughs> yeah, sad. I would say, yeah, to me, the line is where you start getting personal in, in, in the insults and uh, you start heckling. Uh, I think booing is fine. I think making it personal like that is not. That, that being said, um, the, the the team it's coming off three straight losing seasons they're two and four they were behind 24 to three well, they were staring two and five right in the face i don't blame anybody for booing at, at least they're still going to the games at least the fans are still watching again the real problem is when the fans stop watching stop going to games it, you know what it happened in washington after many years it, uh, it happened with the Baltimore Colts as things got bad under the late Bob Ursay and attendance dropped, and that gave him the excuse he needed to move the team in the middle of the night from Baltimore to Indianapolis. That, and, I get, and I get frustration, but at least if the fans are booing and they're frustrated on social media, they're still watching, they're still engaged. There are, there are a lot of fan bases in this league that – with three and a half straight losing seasons might not be as engaged as Broncos country still is. And so, yeah, booing isn't the worst sound. The worst sound is the sound of silence. Yep, exactly. I, I totally agree. Salty butter chiming in. Hey guys, been doing my own independent research on comparing Drew Locke's first 10 games continuing last season to Josh Allen's first 11 in 2018. And here's what I found. Allen had a five and six record, 10 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and a completion percentage of 52.8. Drew's is six and four, 11 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and a 61% completion. I know the hope is Drew can become like Josh Allen or better. So I want to remind everyone to try and stay patient and see what happens this season. Also, Mace, Please correct my stats if incorrect. Well, I'll jump in here really quick before handing it over to Mace and say, um, yes, you are correct about that salty butter, but I believe Mace did an excellent job last week 
of showing how Josh Allen having those type of stats is very much an anomaly. So it can happen. You can have those stats to start your career and bounce back, but it's, it goes against the rule. Is that right, Mace? Yeah. I mean, the, the odds are not in your favor the way they are. If you have a start of your career that looks like say, well, Justin Herbert, for example, I mean, there, you know, there, there's an exception. I mean, you go through like the top 10, 15 quarterbacks in terms of, stats in their first 10 games and you've got a name like Cody Kessler in there well he didn't exactly work out very well so you know there there are exceptions to to the rule unfortunately where Drew Locke is right now is is becoming a successful top level quarterback would be the exception to that to that rule so you yeah you do hope that it's like Josh Allen you hope that's the arc that Drew Locke takes we're going to know more in in the coming weeks because unfortunately right now I mean, if when you step back here, nearly two days removed from the game, you also have to say this: Drew Locke's season to date, small sample size, I get it, but uh, some okay. If you go say quarter by quarter, even half by half, there there some good, some okay, some really bad. Only one half has been great to this point. Yeah, and and Mace, those are just the facts. That's why yeah. I think. Uh, actually this, this one game against Atlanta is, is going to be big for, not for, for Drew's career, but for the narrative surrounding him. If he comes out and plays great and does that for two halves, Mace, then we're saying, okay, now he's put three halves together, three great halves. If he comes out and has a dud, people are going to say, okay, in the past, you know, what, 12, 16 quarters of football, he's only had one good half. So, uh, I do think this is very important to Drew. And also Drew was saying, uh, after the game, he was he had that mentality of us against the world. You know, everyone w- was counting us out. Well, maybe we're just a young team that's starting to click now. Well, if you're starting to click, then you you continue to progress. Does it mean you can't you can't have a bad series? Absolutely not. You can have a bad series, but you got to keep getting better progressively, and we need to see that. So it Drew's throwing it out there. Let's see it happen. Yeah, and uh, that's why I think this game is interesting for a lot of reasons. You have a pretty good defensive schemer in Raheem Morris who's running things for Carolina right now, or for Atlanta, pardon me. And the reason why I said Carolina is I'm thinking about their game last week against the Panthers. And one thing that they did that they're doing a really good job of is limiting explosive plays, limiting big plays. So uh, this may be a take-what's-there game for Drew Locke, and uh, we'll, we'll see if it works out. Yep, exactly. And Mace, I believe final comment coming in from Fumbles. If you if you suck, you get booed. If you don't suck, you get cheered. Yin and yang, peas and carrots, lamb and tuna fish. You don't get one without the other. Like the Star Wars nerd on here says, this is the way. Fumbles. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. I mean, uh, I didn't realize that booing was going to become such a big topic on, on today's pod. Uh, just from the conversation we had yesterday. But, uh, yeah, see, see that's where I'm at. I, I don't have a strong opinion over it. I think people can do it, but I understand people that are upset about it, and, and I'm sure that's how our, uh, our audience is as well. I may do a little Twitter survey here and, uh, and when we get off this and, uh, and figure it out because it's kind of a fascinating discussion. And you know what? Over on the late Orange and Blue 760 – Ryan Edwards and Steve Atwater and I, of course, had the show for two years together. And the most uncomfortable, most heated discussion we had was about whether it was okay to boo. Oh. And Ryan insisted it was not. Steve Atwater and I 
said it was. Like Steve okay. got if, if Steve, Steve said it's okay, it. then it's okay. <laughs> yeah, Steve was okay with it because he, you know, he's of the mindset that we know that you care. And you know, and and he's like, well, we're you know what? We're mad at ourselves too. Right. We right. we know we we know we need to play better. So I uh, it was interesting to hear that from a player and that's part of why you you never assume what someone's perspective is going to be because i sort of thought going in that steve may not be okay with booing and he was so and 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 i i know uh will parks for example who's from philly uh he's a guy who who, he got it as well when when people booed he understood yep 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 well, man, I'm with Steve. If Steve's got my back, then I'm pretty comfortable <laughs> with that. That is for sure. No one else I'd rather have my back than Steve. <laughs> but Steve and Andrew Mason. Cal- if I got those two, I'm good. Oh, well, we're not always right. Let's just let's just make that clear. Um, <laughs> but it was so interesting how how Ryan kind of really dug in, and yeah, it was like an uncomfortable discussion that got emotional. It got heated. Wow. And, and we, and that was why we had it. We never really came back to that, even though we had opportunities to, because it led to such a, it, so it's such uncomfortable moments. And we didn't have many uncomfortable moments, the three of us on the air, but that no. one was. Wow. Yeah. Wow, man. Well, if you get in those uncomfortable conversations specifically today or tomorrow and you, <laughs> and you need to be surrounded by a family feel, there's no one better to go to than Green Mountain Dental. They're the best damn family owned dentist in the metro area and extreme Colorado sports fans like all of us. So if you need a cheery place to go to talk about Colorado sports and nothing else, well, you can always come to this pod, which I thank you for doing. And you can check out Green Mountain Dental to get your teeth cleaned. And also, if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush when you do. Pretty amazing. All you have to do is take care of your teeth for them to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. You're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver, and they treat you like family. So make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental. Schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us. What a day it is in Broncos country. We are sending our best to John Elway and Joe Ellis today as they receive their positive COVID-19 test. We hope nothing but the best for them, and we will keep you guys updated on their status throughout the week, hoping a very, very fast and healthy recovery for them. But for Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Thank you all so, so much for joining us on today's pod. If you haven't voted already, please go do so, and we'll be with you tomorrow morning. We'll be going live at 9.30, so make sure to tune in with us wherever we go live facebook periscope twitter everywhere make sure to check us out and thank you guys so much for rolling with us have a fantastic week